Welcome to the Forex Analytics Community Experience, or FACE, podcast. Dale Pinkert interviews some of the sharpest and most knowledgeable people in the financial markets daily. Also, you can go directly to forexanalytics.com or find us on YouTube to watch these interviews live and get fresh, intraday macro and technical analysis of the currency, stock, and commodities markets daily from the Forex Analytics team. Our FACE show is free every trading day. Now here's your host, Dale Pinkert. So, Bob, welcome back. How are you, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Good. We have some things to chew over here, Bob. Uh, There's a lot going uh, on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, I think uh, the the event of the month was uh, what happened with the tenure yesterday and what's happening with the yields. And, you know, I'll just put up the chart here. They're trying to sell them off now, but it almost looks like we're trying to break out to the upside in yields. Um, pretty solid looking week. You know, there's a daily, but it's Friday. So let's see on the weekly basis, uh, nothing negative about that. Almost looks like uh, if I covered up the title of the chart, um, you would say it looks bullish and we should see new highs, which means new highs in yields. Uh, am I, should I be stabilized and put on lithium? Or uh, can you can you see that? or can you see this uh, interest rate scenario narrative playing out? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a there's a fair amount here in terms of you know starting to get the move, and I, I mean, I guess it's really been it's been a few weeks going on here around the market kind of coming back to higher for longer, right? I mean, I think we obviously had the deflationary. Uh, depression, depression shock that came with the SVB situation, and where I don't know. At one point, we got we got to a point where were there like four cuts priced into 2023, 2024 cuts into 2023, which yeah. was pretty shocking uh, and set up for a great trade on you know those December 23s, and that has been unwound. You know, we now see the short rate curve, at least pricing in almost a hike and it being held for between now and all the way to uh, February or March of next year. So we're moving, but there's still a fair number of cuts, five cuts priced into 24. And, you know, we haven't gotten above those peak yields that we saw yeah. uh, last summer, uh, last, yeah. last early fall. And that's really that will be a very telling moment where we finally got to a point where we started to price in, you know, the reality of higher for longer uh, in, in a serious way. And so, you know, I think this, as you say, this sort of bullish trend looking at this, uh, looking at this chart seems bullish, meaning yields up. Uh, Why do you think we are uh, risk likes it so much, Bob? I mean, uh, I would think that, uh, you know, the market was, uh, I think, expecting stable to lower yields. Um, that the bonds have turned. Uh, I mean, they turned away the bonds. Uh, I'll use CLT for a proxy uh, right at that 104 level, which uh, you know was a pretty key level. Yep. And then and then gap lower yesterday. Um, they look, you know, I you know there are a lot of people looking for myself included. If we got to 104, that was a pretty good signal. But they look vulnerable here now. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I I think the, the the question, it's an interesting question because, you know, typically if you'd 
if you'd expect to see increases in expectations of tightening, that should be bad for the equity market and risk yeah. assets more broadly. But it's not playing out that way. And I think because the, the flavor of higher for longer that we're experiencing right now is a flavor where the Fed is still a few steps behind the curve. And that's important okay. because basically what it's telling you is if the Fed remains a little bit behind the curve and nominal growth remains pretty good, which, you know, it, I, first quarter nominal growth was great. Second quarter nominal growth is going to be totally fine as we close it out. Um, that will keep the pressure on to have higher interest rates, but it will also be supportive to the equity market, right? Because the you know equities, you always got to remember, equities are a nominal asset, right? Inflation in general is good for equities as long as it doesn't induce an aggressive tightening by the central bank, right? That that is so moderate, even relatively elevated inflation is like totally fine for the stock market. And so what we're seeing is this higher for longer, fed a bit behind the curve, stocks outperforming bonds, and um, and kind of like the, the I would say, sort of the party continues, right? The liquidity party continues, because even though the Fed's tightening, it's just like not enough. The Fed is not ahead of the curve. They're behind the curve in terms of tightening sufficiently given the macro data. Okay, uh, interesting take. And I know you are also uh, focused, uh, I went to your stream, and you're talking a lot about the uh, stickiness of inflation, I think, uh, more in Europe, as well as the US, but uh, seems like you're concentrating on what's happening in Europe. And I'm wondering uh, if the central bank, um, ECB, uh, is going to get ahead of the Fed and that we're going to have a weaker a dollar, stronger euro, stronger cable. Does it is that what you're seeing translating yeah, I, here? I, I I don't see that yet. And the big reason why that is is because the sensitivity of the European economy and of the UK economy to interest rate rises is higher than that uh, of the US. And so I think there was a a brief moment where kind of folks were. I mean that that period where it looked like Europe was, you know, strong and inflationary pressure was a little high and the, the euro got a bit of a bid. Um, but, I, but, but that's unlikely to be the long-term structural situation since, um, you know, we have seen a touch of moderation in inflation in Europe, you know, depending on how hard you squint in the last couple of months in core. And because, you know, the economies in Europe, the, the growth rate in, in Europe is at zero or worse, probably a little worse at this point. You know, the U.S. economy is growing at two. Um, and so, you know, the U.S. economy is stronger, less sensitive to interest rate hikes. Uh, Fed has a lot more work to do. Europe is slower, more sensitive that, to interest that rate That favors hikes. a dollar. And that, that favors, favors a dollar, dollar. right? Because the U.S. will probably need tighter monetary policy for longer, particularly relative to Europe, but also, you know, relative to the UK, which is also more sensitive to the hikes. It's just, they've got a bit more of an inflation problem, but you know, I would not, I would not call the end of the dollar yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I wouldn't call it the end of the, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, in the big de-dollarization camp, uh, but I do think that there is a possibility for, uh, the euro to make a move maybe back towards 112 one more jiggle you know there's always detours yeah um, oh of course of course what right. are you seeing that that looks interesting is, is it just this longer term trend that yeah it, getting it's, you fired up yeah and the uh, formation that i 
you know, have taught a lot of people to three drive to a top formation, and I see that possibility at 112. So we'll see. Got you it. know, the big the big thing that currency traders are paying attention to is uh, the relentless recovery the in U.S. dollar yen. <laughs> Uh, kind of, uh, yeah. kind of goes with the uh, parabolic move that we've seen in the Nikkei, Bob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing better for Japanese companies than a lower yen, right? I mean, they have uh, for decades been desperate to get a lower yen to get that benefit of their, you know, foreign earnings translation, and and um, you know, it's in in many ways me mechanical, right, in terms of the yeah. benefit for those companies. You know what? I think the biggest trade. Thing is uh, it's also a major carry trade. It is also, you know, it, it can, I mean, obviously Japan remains the lowest yielding currency in the world, major right. currency in the world. And so, you know, continues to be a source of carry trade. But I think what we're seeing here is we're just basically seeing the fundamental divergence. Like you did have the central bank come in and whack it. Right. And yeah, the intervention and, last uh, fall. Well, intervention right last fall, which you can see there, you know, yeah. note we're about to go through that intervention that we saw last fall. It, it, it combined with a moment where it looked like the U.S. was slowing down and there was going to be, you know, a slowing of the tightening pace. And so you kind of got a self-reinforcing, you know, intervention in the fundamentals dynamic in the U.S. side that continued through past the SVB situation. But, you know, now that that basically has cleared, what do you see with the yen? Will you basically see a circumstance where we're going back to where we were you know, for much of 2022, which is like Japan is weak. It doesn't need tightening. Maybe it needs a little bit more tightening, a little bit more tighter policy, but it doesn't need radically tighter policy. And the U.S. needs, you know, is growing very strongly and needs tighter monetary policy and higher yields. And so you put that together, you know, this is one of those challenging trades that's a one-way trade until it isn't. Um, yeah. in, the, in the process having traded through a few yen interventions, uh, MOF interventions, we're pretty yeah. early in that process. That's the thing I would highlight, which is they, ju they just, they have a pattern. I, I've, I've seen this, you know, it even, and it doesn't matter that we have a new BOJ chairman. The BOJ is by and large, not the one that's making the decisions in, in Japan. Yeah. It's a little weird. It's the MO, the ministry of finance that makes the decisions. Right. And they have a very uh, clear pattern that they do. They first say, that they're keeping an eye on the currency. Then they do price checks. Yeah, check then they, rates. Yeah. They, they check rates yeah. and they do that for a little bit. And then what they do is they they stealthily intervene and then they moderately intervene and then they kick, you know, kick the hell out yeah. of it, right? That's their, their process. And I just saw a note actually a couple, uh, like a day ago that they were uh, monitoring closely. So I think we're still pretty okay. early in this process. Okay. All right. And uh, you think the Fed's going to go ahead and hike? Uh, is that what the 10-year is saying? That That's uh, what, what the 10-year is saying. Yeah. And the, the thing that's really important is it's not just that they're going to go hike, but that there's more pricing that can come into the market, right? Because only like two-thirds of a hike or three-quarters of a hike of one hike is priced in. And, you know, like, what do you have to do? Chairman Powell get, goes to Congress and says, I'm hiking twice. They put it in the dots. They say they're hiking twice. Like, what do they have to do to prove to you that they're going to hike twice? I mean, they're going to hike uh, twice. How about, and then how about going, a, going a half <laughs> uh, in between meetings? Well, I... <laughs> like the old days. Yeah, I was going to say, they, you know, they without they being, we have, a woke, we have a woke <laughs> fed. We have <laughs> a woke fed. Bob, why, why don't they just come in? Uh, you know, I mean, the market's saying they're behind the curve. 
real estate prices, uh, uh, the recovery in real estate. Uh, you know, we had a little come off of uh, on claims. Uh, what do you think? Uh, when do you think claims are going to start showing job loss? Do you well, think we're getting all, I, closer? I love the idea of a grizzled trader. Uh, you know, uh, running the Fed. You know, that's that's what it should be. <laughs> yeah. I, well, they, you know, there were a lot of guys in Chicago uh, in the S and P pit that would be better Fed chairman. So, uh, uh, at, you know, uh, that would, you know, um, that's happened before at the Fed. They used to keep us off balance. I know, I know. And now, you know, what what you look at, and 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 I guess you know this goes back to to the more fundamentals question, which is when do we start to get a meaningful deterioration in the labor market? And you know you've got like weakness in the labor market isn't isn't just some exogenous thing that just kind of happens, right? Right? It happens. Weakness in the labor market happens in response to other activities, and so in particular happens in response to a meaningful decline in earnings. And I'm not talking like a couple percent or something like that. I'm talking like 15, 20% and you start to get meaningful job layoffs. It starts, you know, it comes when you start to get growth transitioning, not from 2% to 1%, like a lot of bickering. Like, are we like possibly in maybe a tiny recession? Like who cares? Like, you know, labor markets are tight. People are keeping their workforce. That's pretty obvious. Like yeah, they don't growth. want to go through the process they just went through right, after right. the pandemic. Right, right. And then hiring. I mean, yeah. you know, what a what a pain, right? And so, you know, the the we've got to see growth at like negative two uh, in order to start to get, we, you know, meaningful weakening of the labor market. And on top of it, in order to really start to free up slack in the in the economy, like to get a hundred hundred basis point up move in the unemployment rate, you know, you're talking about having to have like negative 2 million jobs or something, you know, you've got to have like you know, 2 yeah. million jobs off trend, right? So you've got to have like, uh, you know, negative job prints, you know, month after month after month, you know, and right now we're adding 300,000 jobs a year, a month, you know, it's like, we're just so far away from that point. You know, early in uh, the hiking campaign, um, it seemed like uh, Paul was focused on the wealth effect, and it seemed hey, he's sure like sure giving that up, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, because the market has uh, you know been in his face for over a year. Um, you know, there were a lot of people thinking what we because the economy is so financialized, what we needed a break in the market uh, to slow things down, and uh, here we are. Um, you know, just another stone's throw from new highs in the S and P's. Uh, the June, what a June! What the market what a had. June. I know what a June. So the bears got harpooned in June. So uh, what do you think is going to happen in July? Just more of the same. There's well, June. I think you know, I mean, June was a particularly special uh, month. Let's say in terms of yeah. how much you know, because I think part of it was a broad based recognition that we are in this uh couple steps behind the curve dynamic right like a lot of the you know the bond market started to move a bit and particularly in the short end started to move in may but it was really june where you got stocks rallying even though bonds were selling off a little bit in yeah. price and so um you know we're not going to see uh the magnitude of the extension of of uh the rally that we've the, the pace of rally that we saw here. This has been quite 
quite a, a, a month along that dimension. Um, but yeah. the idea that we could continue to see sort of this moderate grind of, you know, stocks outperforming bonds, you know, that could definitely be the case, you know, for a few months until we start to see the Fed get a little more aggressive. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, Dr. Copper mm. looks like it has COVID. <laughs> technically. So I don't know, maybe so we're going to put it in like COVID. I love it. Yeah. It, the test, the chart test says it came back positive. Um, this is an important market for global growth, isn't it? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, part of what we're seeing there is the global goods market is pretty soft. Like, you know, anywhere you look, look at Korean exports or Chinese exports or or what's going on with production in, in continental Europe or, you know, e even U.S. manufacturing is soft, you know, like goods. Basically, what we had is we had a huge surge of goods in you know, during COVID. And then basically it's been flat for the last two years, goods demand in the US and, and China and others aren't picking up the slack. And so the idea that you have uh, soft prices in things that give you a good read on goods demand makes, makes sense to me. Um, okay. I think the issue is that like, you know, good, goods isn't aren't the problem right like the problem is that if you run a restaurant in peoria you can't find anybody to work for you and you have to wait raise people's wages 10 percent a year like that's the problem like it's not we got plenty of goods all the goods you want uh it's it's the problem is the labor market at least you know in the u.s but also in europe in the uk and australia is too tight it's just all there is to it so, uh, you know, they say the most rate sensitive group um, is is tech, right? And it's really been, uh, has it bothered you that it's been about eight stocks uh, that are responsible <laughs> for, you know, the old nifty 50 only here, I'll use a um, NCAA term, uh, elite eight. Yeah, it's been the elite eight. I like that. I like that yes, term. Uh, you can use it. it. Uh, I've got a million <laughs> of them. So uh, does that bother you that it's that concentrated? And shouldn't high, higher rates maybe get people to start rotating, even if the market's good? Okay, so here, I'll be a bull. The market's good. Uh, wouldn't you be rotate? Uh, the market might start to rotate out of tech and start buying things like cat and deer and um, yeah, yeah. You know, well, the, I mean, the old I, economy stocks. I think you have, I mean, you have seen uh, a little bit of rotation, uh, a little There's bit of rotation. Deer. What's that? There's deer. Came yeah, out a little, like, yeah. you know, you've gotten a few signs, a few inklings of rotation is kind of what I'd say. Not, not today, but, um, yeah. but, you know, on a couple of days through, through June, you saw, you know, smaller, small caps. Oh yeah. Caps, the Russell. Uh, Yep, non-tech start to, you know, basically everything other than tech uh, start to do, you know, outperform what you're seeing in NASDAQ. And I think that kind of, I think there's two points to that that, that are interesting. One, I think what it highlights is the, 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 the extension of the breath in this, in this, um, in this period is yeah. a little, you know, is to some extent indicative of, of the more macro force of the few steps behind the curve fed than it is like some ai boom like yeah in may there's some ai like yeah. garbage that some 
you know, anyway, I, 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 I'm not an AI expert, but like, you know, it seemed implausible what was going on. (laughs) And now we're starting to to see it broaden out, which I think is reflective of that macro environment. I think it's probably, you know, when we look at what hedge funds are, how they're positioned, it's interesting that they are, they're still to their, to their detriment, staying away from the tech, uh, us mega cap tech stocks and really continuing to look for value in, you know, in smaller companies. Well, well, maybe they should buy the uh, regionals. (laughs) <laughs> do you think it's a, do you think it's over the crisis that we had that it was just a you know three day thing uh, patched up and we can just move on from that or has it just been you know maybe it reemerges again because you know this still isn't that bullish yet yeah um, yeah I mean and the big guys too XL look at Goldman uh, Goldman's been uh, you know hasn't really performed during this blow off either. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, the the if you look at the hard data, you see that bank funding conditions are improving. Oh, um, wasn't it a surprise? They all passed the stress test. They all passed the stress test. Oh, yeah, well, what, the, what what a all shock! All the big banks are going to pass the stress test. No matter. Well, what. they were, of course. Um, but but the the you know the banks the the areas of banks like the regionals and the super regionals that were of some concern. You know, you look at their data on a on a on a week-to-week basis and it looks like it's improving funding conditions are improving and if you go back to that kre chart you know like what we're what's going on in terms of the pricing is people are pricing in uh you know the price today is the same as it was when there was a real risk of a self-reinforcing bank run across the banking system and that is not going to happen and the fed has made clear that that's not going to happen and so you know those those stocks still look like they have decent value they're not going to be as, uh, you know, they're not going to be incredible uh, in terms of their earning potential. But, you know, you see they're certainly not shouldn't be con- price consistent with the fact that, you know, reasonable risk of a bank run because it's not happening. OK, um, so it, it, we don't have to worry about that anymore. There's no have to worry problem. about that. You guys, how, how about solvency about. issues? How about solvency issues with things like pension funds that own that paper that got the banks in trouble? And municipalities and ah uh, yeah I mean I, I think that that you know you're very different in the OA crisis the main problem was that you had you know banks that were thirty times levered holding credit risky securities that were marked to market and destroyed their capital base right the okay. people you know the, the entities that hold the majority of credit risk today are first the banks that have a lot less leverage right they're under ten to one leverage instead of thirty to one leverage. Okay. And then also a lot of it's in the hands, a lot of that credit and extent credit extension is in the hands of unlevered places like pension funds. Like a pension fund's never gonna matter. <laughs> to any in any time frame we care about, a pension fund's not gonna matter. They're not gonna, you know, if they lose a little bit too much money, you know, they lose money on stocks, they've lost 40% on stocks, no problem. You know, they can easily lose meaningful amounts of money on bonds or credit instruments, and that's fine. No big deal. Okay. All right, Bob. You know, it's always great to be able to to talk to you. I, I just have one tip uh, for you uh, before we leave. And yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Here's the chart. Build a silo in your backyard and ah. fill it up with wheat. <laughs> fill it up to the top, to the rim, but with wheat and beans. With wheat and beans. I got it. Yeah. Well, you know, the, yeah. the it's real way be an to answer. 
Go ahead. The real way to do that is to buy farmland yeah. in uh, countries with depressed currencies, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If farmland, it's our, it, global yeah. farmland doesn't trade uh, priced in dollars, even though the asset itself is priced in dollars. So, something so you, to think about. Australian right, farmland. I, Today's the day. Okay. You know, I mean, I throw up something that I didn't think you'd be familiar with, and you give me. Uh, and you've thought about this. I've th I've thought about it. I've I've uh, you know you you don't realize it, Dale, but I, I'm a botanist by uh, by oh, academic okay. training. So yeah, uh, specializing in uh, in uh, in irrigated growth, uh, irrigated okay. uh, crop environments. So uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, every once in a while pops up. <laughs> uh, well, I, I you know I, there's no profession I admire more than what farmers, they have a tougher job than traders because if they, they work so hard and they bring in a good crop, everyone has a good crop and they don't get good prices. That's right. That's right. And then when there's a short crop, prices are good, but they don't have as much have to crop. sell. I yeah. know. And the thing that's, that's always, I actually, I do a radio spot with, uh, with, uh, with a farm uh, radio channel that uh, on, a, on a regular basis. And it is incredible how sophisticated those folks are when it comes to financial markets and thinking about prices and trends. And it's, it, you know, they're, they're not only are they like, you know, growing, growing uh, wheat, but they're also, you know, masters in, in markets, um, which is always pretty incredible. All right. Look at this. Um, Bob has an ETF, right? That's right. That's right. The HFND ETF. It. Uh, it is a, uh, what we've done is uh, my co-founder Bruce and I have 50 years of experience in the hedge fund business. We build a technology that replicates the gross of fees returns, the, the returns before fees are taken out of the hedge fund industry. And, uh, and we've used that to build an ETF, the HFND ETF. Uh, which is available on most of the uh, discount platforms that are out there. So, uh, so check it out. See if it's the right uh, if it's right for you. You can find more information at unlimitedfunds.com. There's that good-looking guy right there on the website. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, really, uh, I really appreciate your giving nature to come and share your views with our community, Bob. And uh, you're a trading warrior, brother of mine, and I'm rooting for you to have a great summer season of forecasting and uh, reaping from the market to use another farm. <laughs> anytime, anytime, Dale, you want to talk, uh, you want to talk agriculture, uh, you know, farm prices or, uh, or other markets. I'm, I'm up for it. I, I love yeah, coming yeah, on I, here. I know, I know, I know I could bring up anything, Bob, uh, <laughs> you know, you're one of a handful of guys. I, I could just talk about everything. You make it easy for me. Um, have a great holiday, Bob, and uh, let's get back together. Uh, I'll hit you up on Twitter, and we'll set up another date. Perfect. All right. Great to see you, Dale. Really All appreciate right. Bob it. El Bob Elliott, everybody. Check out his ETF. Uh, that's a wrap for us. Uh, everyone have a great weekend. Uh, recharge your battery. I believe we're going to be here Monday. Uh, if anyone's here, uh, Steve, I'll probably see you Monday. And you can join the team in 15 minutes on the morning edge. Happy 4th of July, everybody. <laughs>